You are listening to audio from Hope Church Ipswich. For more information about our church, please visit www.hopechurchipswich.net. We're in the book of 1 Corinthians, and um, we've heard from Tom and Morris over the last few weeks. And uh, this is a letter, if you're not familiar with the Bible, it's a letter from, you might call him St. Paul, uh, Paul the Apostle, to a church that he helped to plant and begin in Corinth. And you can read about that in Acts 18, where he was with them for about a year and a half and, um, and helped some people come to believe in Jesus, in the gospel, the good work, the good news of Jesus and what he's done. And uh, he left the church in fairly good condition as he thought, you know, going away because he had to plant other churches and do other things. And uh, his word has reached him that this church is, is uh, in a bit of a funny state. There's some funny things going on and... Uh, there are divisions in the church. They've got strange uh, sexual ethics. They've got strange teaching on food and, uh, and, and the resurrection. We're going to hear about all these things through this, uh, this term. And uh, he, he skillfully loves them and helps them to remember who they are. So I loved last week uh, reading in chapter 2 the way that Paul says that none of it was about himself. In fact, he says he was fearful. He was fearful and nervous because... Uh, he was preaching, he said, not, not a, a great, um, not words of, of wisdom that were terribly deep, but he came with a simple message. He came and preached Christ crucified, the Son of God crucified for man. And he said, my simple message was backed up with demonstrations of the power of the Spirit, that God backed up his preaching and revealed himself through powerful demonstrations. And he ended chapter 2 by contrasting unspiritual or natural people with spiritual people. It's written quite well in the message trans, uh, tra- translation. It's not really a translation, it's a paraphrase. But can we have that up, Ben? Because I haven't got it in my notes, but I'll read it. Thanks. It says, The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. That's not actually the message. But it's, um, that is what he finished. He finished by saying, look, there's a difference between the spiritual and the natural. Spiritual people have uh, been born again in Christ. They have, their old life has gone and they're born of the Spirit. We're not talking spirituality of uh, getting a load of crystals and, and putting some uh, joss stick on and sitting cross-legged and having a tie-dye t-shirt. We're not talking that kind of spirituality, that kind of spiritual. No, we're talking about something quite grounded, something quite logical. Paul is talking about people who have put their faith in Jesus, Jesus Christ, the man, and are now spiritually alive in him. People who are not born of the Spirit, he's saying think that the things of the Spirit are silly. doesn't make sense to them. They don't understand it. But those in Christ have been given understanding. So that's how he finishes chapter 2, and we're going to go into where he picks it up in chapter 3 on the back of that. But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now... You are not yet ready, for you are still of the flesh. 
For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care of how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire. And fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Do you not know that you are God's temple? Your God's, God's spirit dwells in you. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him, for God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. Let no one deceive him. If anyone among you thinks that he is wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is folly with God, for it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise. They are futile. So let, the one boast, so let no one boast in men. For all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas, or the world, or life, or death, or in the present or the future. All are yours, and you are Christ's, and Christ is God's. Father, we just thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the revelation of your ways, who you are, what you've done. Thank you so much. We have in our hands, something so precious. Thank you, Spirit of God, for the revelation in our hearts that you've called us to believe these things. Thank you, you haven't left us as orphans, but you've called us sons and daughters. We pray that you would be with us in power now as we hear from your word. We pray, be, be illuminating our hearts. Be softening us. Give us faith. Holy Spirit, do your work. I pray for the demonstration of the Spirit. As Paul said, you backed up a, a simple message with demonstrations of the Spirit. I pray as we are listening this morning, you would heal physical ailments. Lord, come in power. We believe in it. You can do it. Physically heal people. In Jesus' name. Lord, I pray you would heal people emotionally as well. Of spiritual pains and spiritual Difficulties. I pray for spiritual breakthrough this morning, for an opening of blind eyes. Oh Lord, what a gift that is, that you would open our eyes to the truth of your word. Do it this morning. Do it this morning, I pray in Jesus' name. Pray for salvation this morning. 
that people would say, it's true, I know it's true. I've never seen it before, and now I know. I can trust in him. Lord, would you bring your light to expose the darkness, expose the lies. Lord, that people would know, I've been deceived, and I want to walk in the light. I want life in this Jesus. Come, Lord God, bless us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, Paul is pretty baffled with these Corinthians. In this, uh, this, these people that he, he left, believing this solid foundation. We're talking about foundations this morning. He, he left these people on the rock of Jesus. And uh, he's, ha- he's heard of these concerns about these divisions. So he wants to teach them. Some of them are, I say, I follow Apollos, I follow Paul. And, and, and between them, they're having jealousy and strife, bitterness, kind of silly arguments going on. And Paul wants to teach them. They're Christians who he loves. Notice he doesn't say, you know, you, you, you've lost it now. You've gone too far. You're not Christians anymore. You're out of the family. No, he calls them brothers. Brothers. Brothers and sisters. Christians who he loves. He refers to them as in Christ. He's not saying you're stuffed up now, so um, you've got to sort of climb a ladder to get back up to a good place. No, you're in Christ, but you're caught up. In jealousy and strife. You're caught up in something that is not worthy of somebody who's in Christ. It's inconsistent with somebody who's in Christ. And we know this to be so normal for us, so relevant for us. Things like jealousy, strife, ugly competition, bitterness. Maybe you're somebody who just knows some of these words. You think, yeah, actually, that that, that stings a bit. Because I know I'm somebody who suffers with... Bitterness or pride. Perhaps there's an area of unforgiveness in your life. Self-righteous attitudes, unkindness. They come, they come up for us in our lives. Perhaps this week you've been at the receiving end of some of those things. You think, yeah, actually, I've, I've had some nasty treatment this week. Or, or perhaps you think, well, what I'm more aware of is that I'm like that. I'm like that with people. I'm very quick to be angry. I'm very quick to be competitive and, and jealous of things and get insecure and, and when loved ones, or even we ourselves, have these things come to the surface, we can so often be quite easily kind of mystified by it. Where is this even coming from? You might think, why am I like this? Or someone might come to you and say, hey, can you help me? I find I'm really struggling with, with anger, and it's, it's tearing my family apart. And someone could say, can you help me with that? And you could think, oh, I don't know where to start with that. You need to go see a psychiatrist. You need to go and see psychologists who can understand all that stuff. I don't know. And we can get kind of uh, intimidated by these things, either in ourselves or in others. What's going on there? Where did that come from? Why is she like that? Why can't he stop talking like that? Why am I so angry? But Paul has incredible insight. Paul's not somebody who's overwhelmed. He's not someone who finds it intimidating. He is someone who's confident that he has the remedy. Someone who's confident that he knows You don't have to be like that. In fact, you're not in that life. That's not who you are anymore. Why does Paul have so much confidence? Paul has so much confidence because he's a man whose life has been smashed to pieces by the gospel, by the person and work of Jesus Christ. His life's been completely turned upside down, or you might say turned right side up. Because Paul used to be a Christian killer, a Christian hater, a hater of God. And, and, G- and Jesus met with him uh, and blinded his eyes one day. 
with such brightness. And, Paul, and he said to Paul, why are you persecuting me? And he, he had this encounter with Jesus where Jesus turned his life upside down. So he realized, no, I, I shouldn't hate this one. I should love this one. I should give my life to this one. And he received grace where he should have been condemned. You've killed Christians. You've hated God. Yeah, I have. And he loved me. This is what's happened to Paul's life. He's been overwhelmed by the grace of the gospel. Amazed that this God, this son of God, would come and die for him. He's amazed by it. It's completely unraveled him. It's completely drenched his life. He's drenched in grace. He's drenched in the gospel. And he wants to help Christians to see this is what it should be like for you. This is what I stand in. This is my, my whole identity is in Christ. He's completely overwhelmed with the gospel. And therefore, he can see when it's missing. He can talk to people and see when they talk, tell him about things. He can say, that's out of kilter. That's actually not what it's like to be a Christian. You're living as if you're still in your old shoes. You've got new shoes. You've got a new identity. You're in Christ now. He, he's an expert in seeing where is the gospel missing and how, how do we apply it here? The irony is that the Corinthian church think that they're really spiritual people. They really do. They think they're really spiritual. They're really into practicing spiritual gifts. They think it's such a big deal. And let me just say something before I go on. We think that's a big deal as well. We, we practice spiritual gifts. We call ourselves a charismatic church. We believe the Bible doesn't give us any reason to think that the spiritual gifts, the gifts of the Holy Spirit stopped in the times of the writing of the Bible. It seems to say actually the opposite, that we should eagerly pursue them. So we're a charismatic church. We believe in the gifts of the Spirit. They're really important to us. As I was just praying, God, heal people here. And we've heard words of uh, knowledge. We've heard uh, people bring prophecies. These are all gifts of the Spirit. In recent weeks, I, I've, I've brought um, words at the end of the service, quite detailed, intimate ones. One of them recently was about somebody who, I just said, I feel God saying, I can see you in a bedroom crying, holding a teddy bear. And uh, it was quite a, you know, specific. And somebody came to me afterwards and said, that was me. It's exactly me. And it was a very personal thing that they've been going through. God is moving in power and we need to eagerly pursue the gifts of God because he can break open somebody's life. But this is the deal here. Their lives were completely out of kilter with what they were saying they believed and they're all over the place. They thought they were spiritual people. Look, we do, all the, we, we do the, the gifts of the Spirit. We're, we're moving in the gifts of the Spirit. Yeah, but your lives are completely out of kilter with what you say you believe. You're all over the place. Paul is saying here that practicing the gifts of the Spirit is not what makes you truly spiritual. Okay? Practicing the gifts of the Spirit is not what makes you truly spiritual. It's important that we feel this challenge. Spiritual gifts are not the mark of a maturity, maturity in Christ. It's important that we see that because we can so often run after the, the things, the stuff, the extras, the, the things that are such a blessing. There's such grace to us that God would bless us with those things. But if you're consumed with wanting to see stuff happen in the gifts, but not consumed with Jesus and becoming like him, then there's an unhealthy disconnect. There's an unhealthy break. Because actually, I'm, I'm, I'm building my life on Jesus. On him, on his work and, and his person. 
and who he is. I'm not building my life on, on just what I can get from him. And so Paul is saying, look, I can't even refer to you as spiritual people. You're, you're like infants. You're like babies. You're, you're more human than spiritual. You're, 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 you're wearing your, your old shoes. You're not in your new identity in Christ. Being born of the Spirit, being in Christ, has an impact on everything. So that when you squabble, when you are jealous, when things get to you that are, are not a big deal, they shouldn't be a priority, it shows that you've, uh, you, you've made a mistake here. It goes right to the root of it. Uh, Paul goes right to the root of it. We are called to be, and this church we're called to be, a people of the spirit rather than a people of the flesh. That means that they were called to be Holy. You know what the word holy means? And set apart. As Christians, we're called to be set apart. Set apart from our old life. Set apart from the, 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 the world and the culture that, that may be putting pressure on us to behave in a certain way. Well, actually, I'm set apart from that. God's called me to himself. Holy doesn't mean being a goody two-shoes. Oh, he's a really holy person. He's a, really, he's a goody two-shoes. I never want to hang out with him. He's boring, but he's holy. It doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean boring. It means different to the natural. Different to the culture around you. I'm set apart. I'm holy. I'm set apart for one person, for him. So Paul is frustrated, but he doesn't just say, stop it. Look, church, you're squabbling. Stop it. It's not very nice. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say, it's not very nice. Will you stop it, please? Don't do that. It doesn't say it's embarrassing. Others might see you. All the things that we do when we parent really badly. I'm sure you've done that before. You just shout, stop it. Or you're in a shop. Can you just, you're embarrassing me. Can you stop it? What we, it's like cutting the head off a weed. It doesn't do anything. The weed just grows and grows. Paul is an expert at going to the root. No, we've got to get this thing out. We've got to see what the problem is underneath. He doesn't just say stop it. He masterfully unravels their mistake and shows them they've taken their eyes off the main thing. The main thing is like the carpet's been pulled out from underneath them. You see, he comes to the end of this first little paragraph saying, look, it's like some of you follow Paul, some of you follow Apollos, and you're really getting into that. And then he says this in verse 5. What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Notice he says what, not who. He's saying what, what? It's like he's saying, wait, what do you think this is all about? What do you think this is? What, what's going on in your heads? What is Apollos? What's Paul? They're servants. We're servants. We're, we're here to serve. We're not the main event. We're not the big deal. We're not the main thing. We're servants. Don't get caught up in us. We're, we're just flesh and blood. I mean, he doesn't completely rubbish himself. I'll come to that in a minute. But he's saying, don't, don't, don't focus on me. It's a, it's a bit like, imagine uh, there was a huge concert at Wembley. Uh, massive concert, maybe 60,000 people waiting to hear from a band. And there are some roadies, some technicians uh, behind the stage, doing, sorting some last-minute things out, helping the band. And the band say, could three of you just go onto stage and make sure the guitars are tuned and uh, can you just make sure that the, the, the things that we need are in the right place? So the roadies, they go on stage. 
They make sure the things are connected. Yeah, that's good. It's good how it should be. Then they pick up a guitar and start tuning it. And suddenly, the crowd goes wild. And they're like, whoa, no, 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 no. It's not, we're not the band. It's not us. I'll just, I need to, guys, uh, this is, oh my goodness. They're not the band. And Paul's saying, look, we aren't the main thing. We're serving. We're serving. Don't get caught up in trivial things. He doesn't completely rubbish the part he played. In fact, he says, I was a master builder. I was an expert builder. I, I laid a great foundation, and I did it well. And as Christians, we need to be careful that we don't say, well, I, I, leave it all in God's court. He's God. I can't really do anything. When God's saying, well, actually, I've called you to do lots. I've called you to action. I've called you to activity. So, so do it, and do it to the best. The best that you can. Paul is confident. He did brilliantly. He did very well. But even though he did well, he's still only a builder. The foundation is what's important. Verse 11 is the pivotal verse of the chapter. No one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Compared to Jesus Christ, Paul and Apollos and Cephas, they're, they're insignificant. What is Paul? What is Apollos? You have Christ. You have Jesus, and you have Jesus Christ, the Son of God, crucified for you. He's saying, look, don't, don't get caught up in trivial things. You have Jesus Christ. Church, we have Jesus Christ. We have Jesus, the Son of the, of, of the King on high, the Son of Creator God, crucified. Nails driven through his wrists, through his feet, whipped for us. Punished for us. The son of the most high God for us. We have him. And we get concerned and caught up with small things. He says, look, the reason you've made other things prevalent and important to the point of jealousy and strife is because you've neglected your foundation. You've neglected that you have Christ. You've neglected to keep the main thing the main thing. You must keep the main thing, the main thing. It's such a bigger deal than don't do that, isn't it? Stop doing that. Don't behave like that. Behave like this. No, it's much more important than that. He's saying that when you behave like that, you're throwing the gospel out. You're getting your foundation and you're chucking it out the window when you behave like that. You mustn't behave like that because that's not who you are. He's calling them to something that they are, something so much greater And I put it to you that that is the source of all of our spiritual problems as Christians. That we forget our roots. We forget who we are. And we make decisions on the back of it. I just remembered this story. This is about a couple from America who went to Russia and adopted twins out of an orphanage. And it's very moving, so I hope I don't choke up. It's not like me. You know me. Uh, When Maria and I at long last received the call that the legal process was over and we returned to Russia to pick up our new sons, we found that their transition from orphanage to family was more difficult than we had supposed. We dressed the boys in outfits our parents had bought for them. We nodded our thanks to the orphanage personnel and walked out into the sunlight to the terror of the two boys. Now, Earlier on in the story, it it describes the orphanage, which was a pit, a hole, a nasty place. It says this, they'd never seen the sun. 
and they'd never felt the wind. They'd never heard the sound of a car door slamming or felt like they were being carried along a road at 100 miles an hour. I noticed that they were shaking and reaching back to the orphanage in the distance. It wasn't a stranger asking, are they brothers? They seemed to be asking it non-verbally themselves. I whispered to Sergei, now Timothy, that place is a pit. If only you knew what's waiting for you. A home with a mummy and a daddy who love you. Grandparents and great-grandparents and cousins and playmates and McDonald's Happy Meals. But all they knew was the orphanage. It was squalid, but they had no other reference point. It was home. We knew the boys had acclimated to our home, that they trusted us when they stopped hiding food in their high chairs. They knew there would be another meal coming, and they wouldn't have to fight for the scraps. This was the new normal. They are now thoroughly Americanized, perhaps too much, able to recognize the sound of a microwave ding from 40 yards away. I still remember, though, those little hands reaching for the orphanage. And I see myself there. Paul is an expert saying, look, you've been adopted. This is not who you are anymore. To behave like this is like saying, I want to go back to the orphanage. I want to go back to what I was before. Do you not realize what you have now? Come into your new identity. Stay in your new identity. Hold on fast to your foundations, Paul says. We must understand that when we behave in a way that is inconsistent with what we say we believe, we're throwing our beliefs out the window. We're denying the gospel in favor of waxing and waning, toing and froing, up and down desires, emotions and feelings, responding to turbulent circumstances. Roller coasters are fun. I was on a roller coaster a few weeks, months ago with uh, my family. We went to Chessington. They're fun. I love the, I love the exhilaration. I love the tick, 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 tick to the top. Heart's going a little bit faster and then suddenly thrown around to the side, thrown up and down everywhere. They're exhilarating and they throw you around and they take your breath away. They loop and they twist and they turn and they dive. They are amazing. But I don't want to live my life like that. I don't want to live my life like that. Often it is how we live our lives. Relational, spiritual, emotional roller coasters. We are so subjective internally, aren't we? You could ask some people how they are every five minutes and they would give you a different answer. How am I? Oh, yeah. Oh, how am I now? Oh, yeah. We've got to be better at looking outward rather than looking inward. How do we do that? By holding on to the gospel of Jesus as our foundation. Why? Because the gospel of Jesus is objective. Is not subjective. Christ died for your sins. That is objective. It happened outside of you, apart from you. It has no dependence on you. Your internal response is irrelevant to the objectivity of that fact. Christ died for your sins. Every day we have the choice. Either invest my energies into the objective truth and stand on the solid rock Of that event, Jesus Christ died for my sins. Or invest in the emotional roller coaster that we encounter internally on a daily basis. Which one am I going to do? I'm going to stand firm. 
Because I'm tempted to just think, oh, but work, oh, but my circumstances, oh, oh, but my hormones. I'm just going to be a slave to whatever. No, 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 no. Come back, come back. Stand on the rock. Stand on the foundation. I'm in Christ. I'm not a roller coaster. I'm sturdy. Even in the storm, I stand on the rock. It says in the Psalms, he lifted me out of the miry pit and put my feet on a rock. So we stand in Christ on a solid, firm foundation. On a daily basis, this is our choice. On Monday, Alice bought a parrot. It didn't talk, so the next day she returned it to the pet store. He needs a ladder, she was told. She bought a ladder, but another day passed and the parrot still didn't say a word. How about a swing, the clerk suggested. So she bought a swing. The next day, a mirror. The next day, a miniature plastic tree. The next day, a shiny parrot toy. On Sunday morning, Alice was standing outside the pet store when it opened. She had the parrot cage in her hand and tears in her eyes. Her parrot was dead. Did it ever say a word? The store owner asked. Yes, Alice said through her sobs. Right before he died, he looked at me and asked, don't they sell any food in that pet store? (laughs) It's easy to let good causes and activity occupy your time and attention. But just as no amount of parrot extras are going to make up for lack of food, nothing can replace the gospel to Christians. Without it, our soul will starve. I've got to come back to what am I standing on? What's the whole reason we're here this morning? If you're here for any other reason than Christ Jesus, then there's something you need to find out. He's way better than the other things going on here. As beautiful as you all are. We often feel the pressure to conform to worldly emotions, secular trends and breakthroughs, doubts and feelings. You may even be tempted to feel that this is all outdated. Isn't it, isn't it obsolete now? In the world's wisdom that we now have with science, with so many breakthroughs that we have, isn't this kind of old hat? Isn't this left in the past? We're tempted to believe that, whether it's very subtly or outright denial that this is true. You know what we've got to do as Christians? We've got to come back to the baby born of a virgin who grew up as a carpenter about 3,000 miles away from here. From here. In a dusty Nazareth. This is a man who walked the earth, walked around with 12 oddballs for three years. Never said a bad word. Never thought a bad thought. Healed hundreds Raised some from the dead. He was executed on a bloody, torturous cross and rose from death three days later. We've got to come back to what are we standing on? What do we believe? I'm not going to add things. I don't need to add anything. It's a firm foundation. I don't need to add anything. I don't need to keep looking. What can I add to Christianity to make it really pop? No, you don't. You don't do that. You never move on from the cross. You move into a deeper understanding of it. You never move on from the gospel. You move. What does it mean for every circumstance of my life? It's true. It's real. And it's trustworthy. And we stand on it or we fall. And we slip. Our hero is the man who walked the earth 2,000 years ago in Nazareth. Who was died. Who was killed for our sins. It's not outdated. It's always been foolishness to those who don't see. Do you understand that? You can think, oh, it's a bit embarrassing. So many people think this is such rubbish. They've always thought that. It's not new. They haven't seen. You've seen. 
He's opened your eyes. It's incredible and it's a beautiful thing. We must stand in the goodness. Oh God, I worship you. You revealed yourself to me. Jesus says that to Peter. We'll see in a moment. Jesus, not flesh and blood doesn't reveal that to you, but my Father in heaven. God, thank you. You've revealed yourself to me. It says in the Bible, to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. It may be foolishness to the world, but to us, it's the power of God. It's everything to me. I stand in this truth. Psalm 73 was written by uh, Asaph rather than David. And it's very helpful. It's right along the lines of what we're talking to. He says this, Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I'd nearly lost my foothold. For I envied the arrogant. When I saw the prosperity of the wicked, they've no struggles and their bodies are healthy and strong. They're free from common human burdens. They're not plagued by human ills. Therefore, pride is their necklace and they clothe themselves with violence. It's so easy to get into that mindset, isn't it? To, To look on TV or to see people around and think, their life actually looks more fun than mine. I thought I had everything in Christ, but I get distracted. By, but I like the stuff that they've got. I want the stuff. And the Bible's quite clear that life is a vapor. It comes and it goes. One day it's there, one day it's gone. All it is is that somebody's got a slightly more fun vapor than you. You want to live for the vapor? Let's see what he goes on to say. Because he talks about, in the long run, their destruction overwhelms them. He says this in verse 21, When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you, yet I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will take me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. That's such a crucial sentence. Earth has nothing I desire besides you. There's lovely things on earth, incredible things, but nothing surpasses Christ. Nothing surpasses this, this, this man from Nazareth who would, who would come from heaven and get off his throne and come into the, to the grime and the dirt and be beaten and bruised and killed. For me, nothing compares to that. There's nothing I desire above you. My flesh and my heart may fail. So if you're feeling that this morning, yeah, I know. What you're talking about, Tim. He says this as well. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Those who are far from the Lord will perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of all your deeds. This man who was was tempted to think... Other stuff is tempting. It, it does look good. And then he remembered, that's, that's temporary. That's trinkets. I'm living for one who's in heaven, one who's eternal, and one who I can give myself to, to the extent where I say, I've made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of all your deeds. He's completely caught up in Christ. He's happy in God. We need to know this as a church. This is so good for you as individuals to be reminded of this stuff. We need to know this as a church as well. If, if we want to see God grow something here in Ipswich, we can't build on anything other than the gospel. We have to build on the gospel. There will be temptations to build on other things. 
social justice or, or gimmicks or reputation or styles of worship or maybe a new fancy building. We'll be tempted sometimes to think, yeah, let's get people on the back of that. No, we've got to preach the gospel. We must build on the gospel for it is the power of God unto salvation. None of those other things are power of God unto salvation. The gospel, the person and work of Jesus Christ is the power of God unto salvation. It's what you need to be saved, to be delivered, to be redeemed. This is where I was talking about earlier. Jesus says to his disciples, who are people saying that I am? And uh, they start coming up with oh, there's all sorts of interesting things. People, some people think you're Elijah. Some people think you're other prophets, that, you've come, that they've come back from the dead. And then he turns and says, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. He just nails his colors to the mast there. And Jesus answers him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Jesus is saying, who you say I am? Peter says, you are the Christ. You're the Messiah. You're the Son of the living God. You're the one that all of Scripture has been talking about until this point. You're the one. And Jesus says, ah. I can build on this. I can build on this because this man knows who I am. I can build on people who say, you're the foundation. You're the foundation. So Jesus says, upon this, I can build my church. If we're going to be a church that grows for the glory of Jesus and makes Jesus famous in Ipswich and the nations, we have to build it on him, on the foundation of the gospel. We have baptisms next week. We have four people, at least, proclaiming that they're putting their trust in the carpenter from Nazareth. They lived, who lived a life that we could not live. He died a death brutally in our place so that we could have peace with God. Peace with God. Forgiveness from everything we've ever done wrong. Everything we've ever thought wrong. Everything we've worshipped in God's place. And then he rose again three days later. In victory and ascended to heaven and is crowned King of Kings and Lord of Lords, who is alive now and forevermore. This is our foundation. This is what people are going to be baptized into. I believe in this Jesus. I'm not just a spiritual person. I'm not just a person who's saying, yeah, uh, I, I believe in Jesus, but then I go out the door and I'm on a roller coaster. No, I'm planting myself in him. I'm not just planting myself into him. I'm dying into him and rising to new life in him. We're going to see that next week. If you want to be a person who gets baptized next week, we'd love to add you into our list. You may think, I'm a Christian. I should have been baptized a while ago. Let's do it. Let's get on with this. Okay, we'd love to help you with that. Maybe you're just saying for the first time today, yeah, I never really thought about that before. And I'm not even sure if I'm a Christian, but I think I want to make Jesus my foundation. Come and speak to us. We'd love to help you with that. It's everything to us. Just going to pray for us. We're going to worship. Before, we, before I pray, I'm going to ask you a question. Maybe these are things to think about that you might want to respond to. Where are you living as a slave to something other than Jesus? You may know full well I'm a slave to fear. I'm a slave to anger. I'm a slave to insecurity. Whatever it might be, 
Today might be a day that you can say, no longer. As we sing that song, I'm no longer a slave to fear. I'm a child of Christ. Lord, we want that so much. Maybe the other question is, where are you living in a way that's inconsistent with what you profess to believe? It's a similar question, but this may be more about outright obvious things that are inconsistent. Today's an opportunity for you to confess that, to repent. Repent just means turn. Turn from your way and say, no, I'm putting my feet on the rock. Today's an opportunity to do that, to put your weight on Jesus. All of it, all of your weight. Not just saying, yeah, some of Jesus and then some of my stuff and then and I'm nowhere really. But no, all of my weight on Jesus. He's worthy. And if you'd like to respond in any other way or, or, or would like to get baptized next week, please come and speak to myself or somebody over in the prayer area. We'll have a prayer team over there. I'm going to pray. Father, we thank you so much for your kindness to us in sending your beautiful son. What a beautiful name it is, the name of Jesus. We love you, Lord. Some of us, we know, I need to say this again afresh today, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I've put my hope in other things. It's got me nowhere. I'm coming back. I'm putting my foundations in the right place I'm standing on the right foundation I'm building on the right thing Lord I pray you'd overwhelm us with your grace overwhelm us with your love so that where we know I'm trapped in this I'm trapped in this jealousy I'm trapped in this sin I'm trapped in this anxiety or this fear overwhelm us with your grace with your love that we'd say why? why am I trapped in that? he's way better than that He's way bigger than that. I can walk free from that. I'm a child of God. Lord, would you break chains today in Jesus' name. Set us free. Paul finishes by saying, So let no one boast in men. All things are yours. Whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or future. All are yours. You are Christ's and Christ is God's. Wow. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Lord, we just pray that nobody would leave this place and step back onto the roller coaster. But rather we would know, I've been taken out of the miry pit. I'm not tossed around by every wind of doctrine. I'm rooted in Christ. Thank you for listening to audio from Hope Church Ipswich. Please feel free to make a copy of this content, but please do not edit the content in any way.